Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that my next six-month leadership programme will start in January 2024. If you would like to be part of this transformational experience, you can find all the information you need on the Dive Deep Climb High website. As the previous delegate said, this course is a must for anyone invested in being the best leader they can be. Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into nature and the benefits of integrating nature's wisdom into our personal and professional growth. My guest is author of the book, Let Nature Be Your Compass. And during this conversation, we're going to explore her innovative approach to leadership and how animals play a large part in the work she does with individuals and teams, helping them achieve peak performance. This is going to be a thoroughly thought-provoking conversation and I can't wait to get started. So please welcome the wonder that is Rosie Tompkins. Rosie, hello. Hello, and thank you. What a lovely introduction. You are very welcome. I'm so excited by this conversation because I love nature. It is one of the best things that we have access to, and it really, really can help us on our leadership journey. So let's dive in. Let's get started and let's learn a little bit about you and how you've ended up in this space. Okay, thank you. Um, So I would describe myself as a serial entrepreneur. I love business, I love people and I love making things happen. And if I could look back on my life and find out that I'm now working with leadership and horses and nature, I would be very surprised at myself and my journey. My luck was to sell my company very early on, my first company into a PLC. Um, So I learned a lot about starting up a company and then um, taking it into a corporate environment. And the lessons I learned in that corporate environment, I think, will resonate with our, our listeners today. So it's been a journey, amazing journey. I've been very fortunate. I have huge gratitude that I've been on this journey. Um, And now, as I say, I want to celebrate people's strengths. And that's how I do it, is to work with nature and with horses to really celebrate what strengths you have inside you, rather than sometimes in corporate environments, we tend to look at, you know, the 360 degrees, feedback, et cetera, and concentrate on people's weaknesses and forget incredible strengths inside them amazing and it's so interesting isn't it because when we had the pre-call and we were talking about nature and we were talking about animals and you you said that you you're very fortunate you live on a farm with horses and they're an integral part of your work and you started talking to me about their behavior and how we can learn from that and you said to me I'm sure you know all of this and I had to reveal that actually 
horses scare the eebie-jeebies out of me. I've been on a horse once. So everything you were saying was totally new to me. So I was like, oh, God, we've got to share this with the listeners. So let's dive straight in there. And tell me more about this work that you do with your horses and, and teams and individuals. Yes. And again, you know, it's a familiar conversation that most people are frightened of horses. And for good reason, you know, we know that they are wild animals that we have now domesticated, but they, they do have tendencies, you know, especially because they're a prey animal and we're a predator to be fearful. And when they're fearful, they can have, you know, different types of behavior strategies which can cause us harm. They, you know, weigh over half a ton uh, in weight. So yeah, always I say to people, have respect for wild animals and any animal as we do for each other. So the beauty of working with horses is that they are masters of energy transfer. So they live and die by the fact that they pick up signals from us, which keep them safe. So, uh, you know, a wild horse on the prairie is looking always to the distance to see if there's a predator coming, etc. So they can't speak. So they have to communicate in a different way. And in communication, we often talk about 90% of our communication being nonverbal. And yet we're always concentrating on the 10% verbal. So the beauty of this is that they reflect back how we are really and you can't fake it when you're working with a horse. As I say, they are a mirror to what's going on and they will move away when they feel fear, etc. And I'm a kind of interpreter. I interpret, I'm like a bridge between the two worlds of nature and business. And again, with horses, they don't care, which is what I love most, I think, is that they have no ego as far as we know. They don't care you know, how much money you've got in the bank, what car you drive, where you go on your holidays. They just take you for who you are and they want to feel that you're congruent with what you're saying. And that's the beauty of it. So I always say horses need to know three things. They need to know, am I safe? Can I trust you? And who's leading right now? And those are the three questions that I think when we meet somebody for the first time, it's exactly the same. When you meet a stranger for the first time, you are taking in information of, can I trust this person? Am I safe with them? And who's actually leading right now? So there's a wonderful parallel between those two things. I love that. Am I safe? Can I trust you? And who's leading? So for you, let's go back before you you found your connection with horses. And from what you're saying, you had success very early on. You were brought in from your company into a big PLC. What did you learn about leadership during that time in your life? I learned that um, it was a big shock to them and to me. You know, I was catapulted into a PLC without the usual business degrees, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a shock because I was used to things happening quickly. Um, <laughs> I got very frustrated with protocol. Uh, you can imagine, you know, the turf wars, uh, the energies in the business. I was picking all this up and thinking, wow, you know, why don't people pull together more? You know, we're all here for the good of the whole. And I can't see that. I can see kind of turf wars going on and conflict within this uh, organization. And it seems such a, a shame to me that there was all this ego attached to it. And um, so I always thought if ever I go into training, I will definitely come from a different perspective. And I had no idea that I was going to end up, you know, facilitating and running training courses. 
Um, and that was the the beauty is because I wanted to celebrate strengths, um, what we bring to the table rather than wrapping us over the knuckles uh, and saying, well, actually, you know, your your time management skills aren't brilliant. You know, it, it was all of that that made me think I will do it differently. And then by complete chance, which, you know, if you do buy my book, you'll hear about, I met this amazing lady um, and a coffee break kind of situation uh, where she said, would I come and work with horses? And I'm like, are you barking mad? <laughs> I've always loved horses. I've got to say, you know, from a very early age, I've been absolutely fascinated by horses. But the thought of working with them in a business environment, I thought she was balmy. So, um, of course, I said yes, because I like to say yes to most things. Uh, and off I went with her to uh, her stables. And she put me inside an arena with a, a massive four-year-old stallion, Lipizzana stallion, with nothing. You know, I wasn't riding it. There was no head collar or lead ropes or anything. And she just said to me, I'd like you to find his potential. And it was so uh, extraordinary. <laughs> In that 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes, I learned more about myself than anyone could ever have told me. So no coach or, you know, facilitator could have given me those amazing insights and those aha moments that I had in that first 10, 15 minutes with that beautiful horse. Wow, what an amazing story. And so I'm guessing that that's what set you on this journey when you then stepped into the training and facilitating coaching world that gave you that idea of bringing those two together? Absolutely. I mean, as I say, I was so surprised by the experience. I was blown away, you know, but at the stage I was at, I couldn't kind of leave my, my work environment at that time. It took me two to three years to make sense of what I'd just been through and how I could uh, mold this work to be able to work with corporate teams and in business. Um, because there are many, many wonderful horse people out there working in therapy and doing the most incredible things. But I'm not a therapist. I'm very much, you know, love business, love teams. And I needed to find a way of making it palatable to the business world. And that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years. So I now work with all the you know, top uh, companies. I've been working with pharma at the moment working with their senior teams, executive teams all over Europe and uh, in the UK. So it's my great pleasure that I've managed to find this kind of uh, language that makes sense of the work that I do. Oh, I'm so curious. So how, I, I guess I'm getting into the nitty gritty here, but how do you convince teams to give this a go for a start because I'm thinking that I think about a lot of my clients and they think some of the ideas that I have are a bit batty but I think if I said to them yeah you're going to go and spend the day with horses <laughs> some of them might love it the horsey people will love it but <laughs> the people like will probably be going what what's this going to tell me about myself and my team yeah I totally agree with you and you know it takes a great courage to kind of jump off a cliff and take your team because it's it's your professional, you know, brand that's at risk here. So it took me a while to to be able to go into a boardroom and say, this is what I think is going on here or, you know, what I might be able to help you with. So what I do is I go in my kind of elevator speech, which I'm sure a lot of people know about, is um, you all know that part of our makeup is that we have IQ. 
Uh, we need IQ. We need it because obviously the jobs we do, the the experience, the expertise, the, the exams we take, it's all part of the IQ. And everybody listening has got IQ in different amounts, obviously, uh, but very, very important. Many of you will know about EQ, which is emotional intelligence. Again, very, very important in teams and running teams, understanding what's going on emotionally. Some of you would know about SQ, uh, which is spiritual intelligence, uh, not religion, but spiritual intelligence. But many of you won't have heard of NQ. And then, of course, the question is asked, what is NQ? Then I come forward and say it's natural intelligence. And then they want to know more. So for me, natural intelligence is the positive use of our instincts, insights and perceptions, which allows us to make decisions at speed. And it comes from a place of deep knowing. And I feel really strongly about this. And obviously that's what my book's about. All the intelligences are important, but at the moment it's like a three-legged stool. We've got IQ, EQ, SQ. And for me, it needs to be a four-legged chair. We need to include NQ. And the reason for that is because it's suppressed at the moment. So to give you an example of NQ, I would give you the example of a friend of mine who is a consultant and was having a problem with a patient who was very upset and um, very kind of um, unhappy. And she was having difficulty to kind of calm them down. And in came a nurse and the nurse came in and sang a song. That singing the song would not be in a textbook for a normal doctor. So that is natural intelligence. The nurse had the natural intelligence to know what was appropriate at that time. And so for in business, people often have heard of something called the Hudson River landing. Again, for me, a great example of natural intelligence. A plane was uh, coming out of New York and it got into difficulty. And the pilot, a very experienced pilot, a film's been made about it, was told there was a fault on the plane and he needed to turn around and land back at LaGuardia in New York. And he took his own decision in, in a second, you know, literally to land the plane on the Hudson River. And in doing so, he saved, you know, all the lives on board the aircraft. And that was a combination of all the different intelligences that he made in a split second. As I say, that's where I call that is pure natural intelligence, knowing what to do at speed when the situation arises. And I'm sure... As you were giving that example, when you first said it, I was thinking, oh, I don't know that. But then as you were talking, I was like, oh, I've seen the film about it. And I'm sure it stars Tom Hanks. Exactly. It was really interesting because there there was what happened afterwards about whether he made the right decision or the wrong decision. So what I'm taking from this is that that natural intelligence is, I suppose, what we've dampened down in society, isn't it? Is that that we're so worried about making the wrong mistake or having the reasons that actually we don't listen to that real natural intelligence that just sometimes smacks us in the face. Is my understanding right? Yes. Yeah, so this captain, he was called Sully Sullenberger, an amazing man. And he got absolutely hounded afterwards for his decision making. And it went to court and tribunal and everything. And, you know, they almost destroyed this poor man um, who'd made his decision. But we're stopping people making decisions because we're fearful of the judgment. And um, that's, the, you know, really what I want to be an ambassador for is 
you need to listen to your natural intelligence because most times it's absolutely right and we suppress it and animals don't do that they have to you know obviously they haven't got the as far as we know that the intelligence to look at all their experience and their training but they have to make a decision rightly or wrongly because their life depends upon it and in that moment they have to you know make that decision and i think what i come across and i'm sure you do is that often we're so politically correct in organizations and in teams that we're all so frightened we're almost sitting on our hands thinking I'm not going to put my thoughts forward because it could be wrong and I, I'll be judged for it. So, you know, this political correctness is not serving us because it really does make us less creative, less innovatory. You know, you really are suppressing your, your true natural intelligence. And who does that serve? Does that serve you? Does that serve your business? Does that serve your company? Does it serve your family uh, to, to suppress who you really are and the great strengths you have within you? Yeah, my head's blown by all of this. My head's going in so many different directions. But I guess for me, listening to everything that you say, having read parts of your book, and I definitely, definitely recommend that people pick up a copy and and read it because there's, you know, the parallels that you draw between nature and and leadership and different aspects are, are brilliant. But I suppose it's that thing, isn't it, that it's about so when you can get people out in nature, when you can get people out with the horses, then actually you're shedding, you know, the layers that we put on, the masks that we put on so often when we are in a a working environment and you get back to being who you are authentically. And when we're that person, then we can be our best. We can't be our best being anybody other than our true self absolutely absolutely you've you've hit the nail on the head you know it's the same not just with horses I mean everybody doesn't have the opportunity to work with horses but just looking outside your window I always say that you know it's a difficult time for a lot of people at the moment the world is as we know in great difficulty but that constancy you know the moon comes up the stars the sun you can look out your window and see birds you can see clouds and leaves um the fact that they drop their leaves the seasons it gives us a form of reassurance that everything will be all right so for me you know it gives me a, a massive hope that we will be okay and uh, despite all the problems and everything you know nature is still there by our side doing what it does you know even the little spider that so many people are frightened of you know he builds this little web and it's it's an absolute architectural genius a web and we brush it away without a thought and this little spider has to be resilient enough to come back and repeat the exercise and build another web I just admire that so much in nature and it, as I say it for me it's a reassurance that I'm not as important as I think I am for first, firstly and secondly that we're okay you know we will be okay yeah we will. And and getting back to nature is one of the ways that we can do that. So talking about your book that has not long been released, Let Nature Be Your Compass. As I say, there are so many great chapters in there and it, it's linking stories and nature together and, and the learning that we can get from that. And one of the chapters that really resonated for me and the stories that resonated for me was the one about tenacity. 
uh, which you define as strength with purpose and actually the difference between tenacity and and resilience and actually for you tenacity is about finding different ways to overcome a challenge but also I love 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 the story of Tonk so share a little bit with us about Tonk and that wonderful story yeah and it is an amazing story um it happened in Colorado a few years ago now there are something called dude ranches in America where people go with their families often to experience life on the outback uh, rounding up cattle etc and they have what they call rangers who ride the horses and look after the guests and this particular ranger was a female ranger and she was given a big big horse to ride called Tonk and he was unusually big. And in fact, they were thinking of getting rid of him because he wasn't, you know, for the guest, he was a little bit kind of too big. But fortunately, on this day, she was riding Tonk. She was leading the, the group from the front position. And obviously, the guests were riding behind her with um, their children. And there were several families in, in tow behind. And they were happily moving along uh, through Colorado when suddenly a deer ran into the side of her horse. To anybody that rides out there, that's a very unusual thing to happen for a deer, a prey animal, to actually get it wrong and ride into a horse is, is you know, not a normal experience for anybody. And in that second, she realised why the deer had run into the horse, because behind the deer was a grizzly bear. And the grizzly bear was obviously chasing the deer, but when he saw a, a string of delicious meat objects... Uh, on the back of these horses, i.e. human beings, he thought differently and started to come after the group themselves. So the horses, being terrified of a bear, scattered very quickly and in doing so, bucked off their riders. And one of them was a little boy and he was about 12 years old and he was thrown off the horse onto the floor. And um, of course, the grizzly bear was bearing down onto this little boy and this uh, amazing woman with her horse Tonk rode into to the centre of things and she blocked the grizzly bear from getting at the boy by riding the horse at it. And the horse would naturally be very frightened, but in this situation, the tenacity that the pair showing them to really ride off this grizzly, it was a cutting horse. So it was able to kind of shoulder and turn very quickly to you know as the bear was swiping and eventually to everyone's well not to everyone's amazement to everyone's great relief the bear gave up and the grizzly bear what disappeared into the corner and um the great thing about the story was because of course it was in america they decided to airlift the horse and the rider to the television studios and <laughs> uh, the heroine was made overnight and the horse was made a hero overnight and the, the wonderful news was that she then adopted Tonk. She bought Tonk and he stayed with her for the rest of his life. Oh. So it was an amazing story, but huge tenacity from a rider's perspective. Again, that natural intelligence to know what to do and to have the, the courage and the tenacity to go in there and make something happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I've been reading a book recently, which is about that when you do things like that, that are so selfless, that you, you're not thinking about the consequences, you're not thinking about the glory, you're not thinking about anything in that moment, that human instinct 
to help another being takes over. So wonderful story. And the book is full of them. So if you're listening and you think, ah, I really like different ways to think about leadership, then please, please pick up Rosie's book for sure. So changing tack now. Okay. When have you had to dive deep and what impact did that have? I've been thinking about this question a little bit because you did give me a heads up that it was coming. So I think it was writing a book. I think I had a great fear attached to that. I used to think about my English teacher, how she might turn in a grave if she knew that I'd actually written a book. (laughs) Because although I was okay at English, I never saw myself as a literary genius. And, um, you know, I was comparing myself to the, you know, the the Shakespeare's, etc. And it took me a long time to understand that everybody has a book in and I have a voice and I have to say something and it's important that I do. Um, And I think it was the passion that took me past the fear Uh, How could I fail at this? You know, where's the judgment? What am I worried about? Is it because I'm going to be judged and and found wanting? I think that was a real, real deep dive for me. And when the book was actually published, and I was amazed at my own reaction, most people, when they get their book or their box of books, they, they jump up and down and they celebrate and they go mad. You know, I've just had my first book published. I didn't feel like that. I felt very exposed I I felt very personally exposed by, you know, would people think my stories were crazy? (laughs) Um, You know, would they have any impact on their lives, which was really important to me? And, you know, would I be doing the animals service, you know, or, you know, would it be seen as, you know, and I I wanted it to be a serious business book, um, but simple, you know, something you take on an airplane and that you would read while you're flying and it would have impact on you in different ways. And what I love about you, Melody, you know, you said that that story about Tonk was the one that really had an, an impact on you. And people, all the stories in my book, which are all true, everyone has a, a different story. They come to me with their story saying, I love that story, you know, and it, it shows what's going in their life and what their values are. Thank goodness so far it's been a great success. Absolutely. And writing my book was a deep dive moment as well. And it, and it is interesting. It's I can totally resonate with what you were saying there and I think any author goes through that point especially when it's a business book and it's written from our perspective it's not fiction and I think I did have that moment when I got my first box and and I think it it got my highest ever views of a post on LinkedIn because I was just so excited but before that moment there was the oh leap moment where I thought This is laying myself bare and you're open for judgment because that's what you do. You put your heart and soul into it, your view of the world. And yours is we find that we have very similar views, but they will be different in different ways. And it's that moment of, oh, my God, there is nowhere to hide. You said it earlier to me before we came on air that it is you in book form. And people have said that to me that actually they read my book and it's like sitting and having a coffee with me. So thank you for sharing that. I absolutely understand where you're coming from completely. So when have you felt like a fish that climbed a tree? So again, um, you know, an interesting concept. I think that I referred to it earlier, actually, in the conversation. It was when I sold my company to a PLC and I was, you know, lucky enough to be suddenly in a boardroom at a very young age. Um, and I was definitely a fish up a tree. You know, I didn't fit in <laughs> at all. Um, they bought my company because they wanted innovation and creativity. 
Uh, and yet, you know, the boardroom is quite, a, well, certain boardrooms, I'm sure they're all very different, but this particular boardroom was, you know, predominantly men. And um, they were men who had had, you know, great experience with accountancy and the language was really very financially driven, you know, spreadsheets and P&Ls and all of that. And in comes me who, A, I love bright colours. So, you know, I, I entered the boardroom wearing some unbelievably bright coloured shirt or something. And I felt very, very uh, like a fish that climbed a tree. You know, I was out of my comfort zone completely. And so were they. And they bought me for these reasons that I was different and they needed a, a point of difference. They needed something to change the dynamic within this business. And that's why they bought me. And yet immediately they got me on board. I felt this complete pressure to become, a, a, you know, like a, a clone. I always started to dress, you know, started to go out and buy pinstripe suits and black suits and things. And they put me on uh, time management courses. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, I don't think I'd be in this position if I couldn't manage my time. But anyway, I'll go, you know. <laughs> um, and I thought it was it was almost like to mold me into a format that they felt comfortable with. And that was, as I say, when I felt huge pressure. And it was the time when I fortunately met a coach because it was derailing my own confidence very quickly and I'm sure some of your listeners will feel that that happens to them in the corporate world or in any world that your confidence can start to you know evaporate and you know it is the horrible feeling that you suddenly feel that you're a fish up a tree you know you don't don't belong you're not part of the proceedings you don't speak the same language and you're very vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that, because I think that that example will resonate with so many people because you hear it so often that people are recruited because they want something different. They want a different perspective. They want somebody different. And then actually, when they're faced with that difference, mm. they can't deal with it. And so their reaction is to try and change that difference so that it fits and and actually as you were talking there it goes back to finding our true authentic selves and being that no matter what and as you said right at the beginning you talked about which I loved celebrating strengths and it's about celebrating our diversity and our differences and having a herd of people that are all different shapes and sizes and knowledge and experience and that will resonate for so many people. So thank you so, so much. Brilliant. So how can people get in touch, find out more, connect with you, find out more about the experiences that you offer with your beautiful horses? What's the best way for them to do that? Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, please look at my website, um, which is nstinctive.com. So that's n hyphen stinctive st i-n-c-t-i-v-e dot com um, that's the best place to see all the products that we have courses that are running you know uh, online programs etc and of course my book which is out now it's called let nature be your compass it's on amazon um, and i'd be delighted if you would buy that book and then if you love it fantastic but please pass it on i think we talked earlier with mel writing books isn't really about making money it's about sharing a message and sharing a passion and my passion as you probably might realize is to 
bring people to nature and especially business people to explain, you know, how the most incredible learnings we can get from nature and, you know, we need to protect it. That's really, really important. And every day I learn something new and I'll hopefully write another book as well. But, you know, I, I learned something about worm casings the other day that might make you laugh, which is basically um, they found that worm casings have got these incredible healing properties for mankind. And, you know, that's just incredible to me that a little worm can help our journey as, as humans. And that's what, as I say, the book's about, what we can learn from all sorts of different animals in the wild and then apply to our lives um, to make it, it more palatable for all of us. A fascinating read. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your time today. What final words of wisdom? would you like to leave people with? I believe that you have everything you need inside you and you have to come back to that. In my view, it's all about internal validation. Once you understand that and the difference between internal and external validation, it gives you a confidence and a belief in yourself. So you have everything you need inside you. But sometimes we need to kind of hold hands with someone that can take us on a journey to really believe that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Luizu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't.